You're listening to Chats by Rotaract Australia, where we bring Rotaractors together to inspire, educate and collaborate. Hi guys, welcome to Chats by Rotaract Australia. I'm Holly, your host, and today I am joined by Claire Lawler, who is also the Rotaract Australia treasurer. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm pretty excited to have you. It's really exciting. Um, but maybe for those who don't know as much about you or the, the glory that is Rotaract in Wagga, um, to tell me a little bit about, about you, your Rotaract journey, and, and how we got here. Um, so I first got involved in Rotaract early in 2016, where I first went along to a Rotary Club and then was told to go to this cool Rotaract thing that was happening on Friday night at the pub. And so I turned up thinking that it would be a fully formed club that I would just get to join and get involved in. And what turned out was that it was the first ever meeting to see if anyone wanted to start a Rotaract club. <laughs> so I then got roped into being the charter president, which I had no experience in at all, but ended up being quite amazing. An amazing experience. I mean, not that I was amazing at it. <laughs> <laughs> And then from there, I went on to become the District Rotaract representative for my District 9700 for three years. This year, we've been fortunate enough to merge with another district to become District 9705. So I am now the District Rotaract co-chair instead of the DRR, which is quite exciting. And then from that as well, I'm also now currently the Rotaract Australia treasurer. That's, uh, that's a lot. And also, you're a Rotarian as well. I am. So I joined a club in Wagga for a little while um, and then decided to leave that club and just do Rotaract for a time. And now with the Rotary Social Impact Network, I'm also a charter member of it. So it's pretty exciting to be a dual member again. I hear the charter members of that club are pretty cool, if I say so myself. Oh, yeah, I think we are, Holly. We both are. (laughs) Yeah, no, I just got to milk that one for all it's worth. I mean, charter everywhere, really. Like charter president, president, charter member. member. (laughs) If there's something starting up, get me involved. (laughs) Well, today I wanted to do our very, very first podcast about money. So, you know, kind of you're helping me start up this little chat. I'm a massive podcast money fan. I listen to a lot of Aussie podcasts about money and I think it's really important that people educate themselves about that kind of thing. But when it comes to Rotaract, a lot of people often kind of just go, oh, that's the treasurer's responsibility and they kind of only care about the money if it directly affects them. So I guess my first question is why should it be more than just the treasurer's responsibility, or not necessarily responsibility, but why should more people care about the funds within a Rotaract Club? The funds within a Rotaract Club affect everyone, whether it's the fees that you're paying to be a member or whether it's the fundraising you're doing to then be able to help others within your community or around the world. You know, those funds raised can go a long way and it's not just the treasurer's job to be the one that raises them. You know, whether you're holding a barbecue or putting on a ball or doing whatever, the whole club's got to get involved behind the cause to be able to raise the funds for it. You know, if it was just one person sitting there with a tin can trying to get some pennies off people, it's not going to go very far. But if we all get in and help each other, then we can really raise some funds and have a great impact. Now, full disclosure, I guess, talking to the Rotaract Australia treasurer about this, people might say, oh, that's a bit biased um, with the, <laughs> the, the, the talent that you've chosen for this interview, um, especially knowing that, you know, I've also been a treasurer and your profession is in kind of this financy money world. So for people who might not, I guess, or who might feel like it's a really complex thing, are there some, I guess, easy ways that people can understand the simple things like just something as simple as club funds as community funds or what is 
net profit, net loss, all those sorts of, how do I even start learning about those things? I mean, there's always Google, you know, you can find anything you want to know on Google. Um, for starters, I will correct you though, that in a broader act club, we don't have any profit because of course we're all non-for-profits. Oh, so it would be seed raised, we go. you know, or net funds recovered or something like that, but not profit, just funds retained. Oh, you know? see, this is how you know she's an actual finance person. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly with the distinction between club funds and community funds, that's an easy one to make. So most clubs will have two bank accounts set up or at least have some sort of coding system to know which dollar belongs to which section. So with community organisations and fundraising bodies, you have to have running costs for your club and you need funds to cover those. So in most cases with Rotary and Rotary Clubs, your members will pay a fee that will then cover those costs, whether your costs are, you know, a name badge for each member or your room hire to hold your meetings or whatever fees you have to pay to keep the club going and functioning. On the other side, then, there's what you do as a club to raise funds for the community. So those funds would be in a separate account or coded separately and kept separately. So those are the funds you've raised for a specific project or to give to a specific charity, and they have to be kept separate. So you can't dip in and out. You can, of course, always transfer your club funds to be a donation to somewhere else and become part of your community funds, but we're not supposed to tap into our community funds and use them for the club unless we've stated to the general public that we're fundraising for ourselves. You can hold a barbecue and say we're fundraising for our Rotary Club and then use that to pay for your club members to go to training or something like that, which would be club funds because you're not spending them externally. But if you held a barbecue and say, you know, we're fundraising for Relay for Life, all of that money that you have raised on that day does then need to be actually given to Relay for Life. So like obviously there are the ethical implications of fundraising for something and then putting it towards club funds. Um, and I, I am assuming in each state, et cetera, there are legal implications as well. Most Rotaract clubs around Australia are incorporated associations, which the legislation varies from state to state. I personally am only familiar with the New South Wales rules rather than the whole of Australia's. But I imagine in each state there would be rules that state, you know, you must spend the funds for what they're raised for. Particularly when you're using public funds of sort, where you've taken the funds from the public, you then have to be held accountable and make sure you're using them correctly. So to be really clear, there's nothing wrong with fundraising to, you know, send our members to, um, to a training or something, as long as that's blatantly transparent about that's the only thing it's for. I would 100% agree with that. I would encourage all Roadwright clubs to fundraise for themselves, you know, to get like a nice little kitty there. So you can sponsor a member to go to training or if you want to send someone to the Rotary Youth Leadership Awards, you can sponsor and do that. But you just need to be really clear and have like, I don't know, a little sign up or if anyone asks, say, this is what we're fundraising for. And then it's up to that individual's choice whether, you know, they want to donate or they want to buy a sausage or not. And if it's not a cause they don't want to support, they don't have to. But if it's something they want to support, they're more than welcome to give you their money and you can then spend it on whatever it is that you're fundraising for that day. And so what about um, splitting events? So let's say I had a, um, a really good raffle and we, and we advertise as 50% goes to this and 50% goes to the club. Can you half half it like that? That's fine. Yeah, of course. As long as you're clear and transparent with your initial advertising. Another thing that you can do is say that all excess funds raised will go towards the cause. So for example, you know, if you're holding a barbecue, I keep going back to this example because it's really easy, but somewhere you have to get money to buy the sausages. So in a sense, then your profit as such, if that's easy to understand, would be your fundraising. But 
sometimes if you say like 100% of funds raised or 100% of the proceeds today will be sent, then technically you've got to cover costs elsewhere. But if you just say 100% of the funds raised, then you can still cover your costs and donate the excess funds. Oh, okay. So like, not that, you know, all clubs want to do a barbecue, but let's just do it because it's a really simple analogy for me to draw. If I'm at a barbecue and, you know, let's say I've paid for the sausages out of my own personal money right now. If we've got a thing that says all proceeds raids go here, I'm kind of on the hook for that money myself. Whereas if we say all, you know, excess funds, et cetera, then that means the club will reimburse me for my sausages. Exactly. That's exactly right, Holly. Oh, gosh, I'm so proud. Even a year as a treasurer, <laughs> I'm still not 100% certain when I ask that question, but that's fine. <laughs> You're learning. Everyone's still learning. I'm still learning. So, you know, no one's an expert in everything. Obviously, community funds are a massive part of what we're about. That's how you create meaningful change. That's how you deliver projects, all that kind of thing. And I don't think there's any argument as to why community funds are valuable. Um, that's that's the kind of golden goose, so to speak. So let's talk about ways that the club funds are created. And one of those things is fees. So should clubs be charging fees? If so, is there like an optimal amount? And is that going to change with Elevate Rotaract? Whether clubs should charge fees or not really depends on the individual club. If we look at example for university-based clubs versus community clubs, they're going to have very different ways of raising money and ways of spending money in terms of the club funds. A university club, for example, may get funding automatically from its university. Uh, It may meet on campus and not pay any room hire. It may not, you know, have meals if it's just meeting in a classroom, anything like that. Whereas on the flip side, a community club likely won't have a university just handing out cash to them. They might meet at a venue that actually charges them a meeting fee. Uh, Hopefully, they don't have to because they're a nonprofit, but you know, there's some places that do. But then from just that as well, there's always things about what you're using those club funds for, whether you're using them to have a kitty to be able to buy those sausages and have the cash there for the barbecue, or whether you're using it to provide things back to your members. So you might give everyone a name badge, uh, and that's obviously a cost that has to be covered. Um, you might give people shirts, which is another cost that has to be covered. And it's up to your club to decide whether you want an annual membership fee or perhaps if you're a university club a semester membership fee that will then cover those costs or whether that's going to be something that members then have to buy themselves later on down the track and I've seen clubs doing it both ways and I wouldn't say that either way is right and either way is wrong I would say it's up to each individual club to decide what works best what works with for their members and I think yeah determining those sort of things is going to be important for your club of course with Elevate Rotaract though Rotary International is introducing fees so there will be some level of fees that you know clubs will have to pay for every member um, that is distinguished as well between university clubs and community clubs so it's cheaper again for university clubs but you can determine how you want to pay for those fees the club obviously needs to pay for it but the club themselves can decide whether individual members are going to be responsible for that and therefore be paying a membership fee to the club which then gets passed on to Rotary International or whether you have a fundraiser every year that covers your club funds for the year which then pays that membership fee and it's no cost to members. Or whether, you know, some clubs might charge their members $10 while others might charge $50 just because that's the amount of funds they need within their club to be able to run each year. So it really comes down to, um, at the end of the day, the values of the club. And finding out what's valuable to your members, what suits them, and how your club works with that. Because every single club is different, every single 
like location of the clubs are different. I know like country clubs are going to be different to city clubs in terms of meeting venues, in terms of like every different thing about each member in them. Making sure that, you know, your club is a place where your members feel comfortable and valued and safe and like they belong. And so making it so that the fees are incorporated in that as well. So if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, like, you know, I feel really empowered, what kind of scope is there to, to change current structures within your own club? How, how, do, how would you, as a, as a general member, if you suddenly got, oh, I'm going to take an interest in this, or even a board member or whatever, um, how do you approach the club and say, these are my thoughts? I would say if you're increasing or introducing fees for the first time, you definitely need to have a value for that, for the members of what it's going to provide to them because people don't want to pay for nothing. A lot of the issue that we've had with Rotary membership retention, for example, like, um, you know, they see a big fee just to join a club and don't understand what value that adds to them or what value it adds anywhere or whether it's just, you know, paying money into nothing. So I think determining that, say, if every member all of a sudden has to pay a fee, then they're going to get a T-shirt back to wear at club events because of that or something like that. I think then if you as an individual personally have an interest, I would start talking to other club members, gauging their interests. And then, you know, once you get a sort of discussion rolling on, then the board can make a motion and determine it um, and then take it to the members to vote upon. Something like this should be voted upon by all members though. Check your constitution. It might have to be done at a special general meeting or your annual general meeting. It may just be something the club can decide, but I would definitely be making sure it's something that every member gets a chance to vote on or share their opinion rather than just the board saying that now we have to pay fees. And I think that's um, that's probably something important to mention in the scope of Elevate Rotor Act is that a lot of the Rotor Act leaders in MBIOs and across the entire world have been really clear that if RI is going to choose to charge fees, there needs to be value in return for that. Exactly. And I think RI are working on that at the moment at, at determining what value we will get as Rotor Actors. I know already there's been certain things such as more access on my Rotary, their online portal, and being able to actually have like membership data retention, which Rotary clubs have access to, but in the past Rotary clubs haven't. So things like that, which might not be valuable to some clubs, but certainly from an MDIO perspective will be really valuable. So we can look at Australia and know, you know, exactly how many clubs we've got, exactly how many members we've got, because previously the records haven't been as strongly kept as they could have been. And then there's going to be other things as well. Potentially there might be discounts at convention. I'm not sure exactly where RI is going to go with the value they're giving, but yeah, we'll find out soon enough. Exactly. Very true. So let's move on to bank accounts. How do I even know where to go for a bank account? Where should my club be doing its banking? All that sort of stuff. How do I research that? If you are starting bank accounts for the first time for a new club, you're probably going to want to look at business accounts. If there's some branches in your town that you can go in and find out some information, that'd be best. Otherwise, look up the bank's websites. You know, every bank has different options. I wouldn't say that one is necessarily better than all the others. Uh, I personally have had difficulties with quite a few banks. I've had great times with quite a few banks. Some important things to look for would be how to change signatories every year, because obviously as the board changes, the signatories on your bank accounts will need to be updated. Uh, whether there's internet banking access available, 
depending on where your club's located, whether it's in, you know, just a small town and there's one bank to choose from, I would probably go with that one so you can actually go into branch. So if you're having a fundraising event and you're collecting cash, you can then go in and deposit it pretty easily. Um, otherwise, you know, there are options for online only banks, if that's what your club would prefer. I would also be looking at the fees that banks charge. A lot of the times they can waive fees given that Rotaract clubs are non-profits, so they might not charge transaction fees, but sometimes something to look at is paper statement fees. That can sometimes add on $15 a month per account, depending on your bank. So I'd be trying to get those emailed if you can, but emailed to a club email rather than to an individual's email so you don't have to update it each year. And yeah, just discussing those sort of things with the bank, What bank account options they've got, whether your club decides that they might need like a FPLOS card to be able to make purchases for the club every so often and how you want to set that up or whether you need a checkbook or all the different things that your club might need and just discussing that with your local branches or ringing up a bank and asking them what their options are. And I guess and also not being afraid to just go back in and get information checked multiple times if required. Definitely, definitely. You know, I've every time I have dealt with a bank for a nonprofit, I've had to go back and back and back. So if there's a particular bank that you find the staff really lovely and they're really friendly and helpful, go with that. Potentially it might cost you 10 cents more a month, but if you're going to get that service that's going to help you and cause you less headaches in the long run, choose that. You also mentioned uh, discounts. In general, there are, I'm guessing there are plenty of things that we can research discounts on things like Canva for making graphics and how hard is it in your opinion to get non-for-profit discounts for things? It can depend on what your club corporate structure is like, whether you're set up as an incorporated association or not, then whether you can get certain discounts. Most Rotaract and Rotary clubs aren't registered charities because that's a hell of a lot of paperwork. So that sometimes rules them out of a couple of discounts, but there are still a lot of discounts out there. And it's also worth just asking the question, you know, like if you're looking into a new product or service and they haven't necessarily got it on their website that they provide a discount, just give them a call or send them an email and say, hi, uh, we're a Rotaract Club. This is what we do. We're here to help the community and fundraise and do projects and help other people. We're not here to make money and, you know, serve ourselves. Is there any way you're able to reduce the cost a little bit for us? I guess some final words of, uh, of wisdom. Obviously, if someone even starts to consider the treasurer role, they're probably going to feel a bit more comfortable with, with numbers or even if they're listening to this, they're like, there's an interest. And if they've got to this point in the podcast, what advice would you give to someone who is considering tre the treasurer role but just hasn't taken that jump yet? I say go for it. You know, like there's plenty of tools out there to help you. You don't have to have an accounting degree to be a treasurer. Just because I've got one, it certainly does help, but doesn't mean that I know everything either. So I think the, the most important thing of being a treasurer is knowing exactly what all the ins and outs of your club's bank account are. If you can just make sure you've got a receipt for every payment or an invoice for every payment, you've got a reason of why every dollar went in and what it's for, then you've ticked most of the boxes there. The rest of it can come with a bit of help from other people and you know a little bit of training which we Rotaract Australia provides training every year for treasurers we've got resources out there and you know if you're thinking about it feel free to get in touch and we can give you a hand. I think there's even a training on our website by 
Claire Lawler, extraordinaire. There certainly is. There is uh, a nice hour-long presentation up there if anyone wants to watch it where you can learn all the things about um, being a treasurer. Have you looked at how many views it's got on YouTube yet or I don't I do not want to check that out. <laughs> I don't need to watch that video myself. Uh, but yeah, please go check it out if you're interested. No, beautiful. Well, thank you for joining me, Claire, and uh, giving everyone an insight into the wonderful world of money. Money, money, money. Yeah, look, I couldn't, I couldn't not do that. You know, it was, uh, thank you. yeah, <laughs> but no, Appreciate thank you for that. joining us. And I hope that everyone, if you are interested in treasury or money or even just road direct sustainability in general, that you've enjoyed this podcast. Thanks guys. Don't forget to subscribe to Chats by Roadwreck Australia on your favorite podcasting channel and like, share and comment on the RA socials.